Hey guys, welcome back to another week of TechCast. I'm nine. I'm four. I'm two. Today we have another week of hard-hitting tech news to hit you with. Uh, it's been kind of a, I guess, kind of light. Um, you know, we're holiday season starting to wrap up. Uh, we've leftovers are finally out of the refrigerator or thrown out. Uh, so we're starting to thrown out. I finished all mine. I'm fat. Yeah, so I said right. I, I said ate up or throw out. It depends who we are. Um, but you know what we made with leftover time. turkey. My mom made a turkey pot pie. Delicious. Oh, bro! Have you guys ever had leftover mashed potatoes? Oh yes, absolutely. It's better than it's better than the original day, man. I'm the only one I didn't eat leftovers. I'm the only one here that didn't eat leftovers. Yeah. Probably. Well, well, anyway, that's not the that's not the topic today's week. Today we got a bunch of new stories and some surprising ones too. Uh, I'm going to warn you right now. A lot of it are Apple related. They just really of course. But let's hit it real quick. First one right away. It's Warner Brothers, and they really stirred up the the, the movie industry. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And specifically for movie theaters, sadly. So Warner Brothers uh, are trying to smash box office uh, windows, right? And yep, they yep, just yep. stated for the whole year of 2021, they're going to have their new releases released simultaneously with theaters and HBO Max. Oh man! Mm. So this is uh this is huge. This is announced uh, this past Thursday. They say for 17 of their movies, which include movies such as The Suicide Squad, The Matrix 4, Godzilla, Tom and Jerry, Space Jam, A New Legacy. There was new... a Sopranos movie, too. Sopranos movie, yep. They're all going to be coming most importantly, out. Most importantly, on Christmas Day, Wonder Woman 1984 will also be in theaters and on HBO Max. Yes, so that, that's going to kick it off. That's going to kick off this whole year of uh, HBO simultaneous releases. It used to be that it was only going to be Wonder Woman, right? Uh, now it seems like it's going to be for the whole 2021. They're, they're saying that it, it, it's not because they believe that theaters are going to be so close or kind of like isolated for the whole year, but they want to be sure, they want to prepare, they want to have some sort of... They want to ensure that all these movies get uh, a good enough audience and stuff like that. But it's, it's, it's a huge release. It's a huge change. Um, most importantly, it's only going to be for a month. So it's going to release on HBO Max for a month and it's going to be gone. So it's 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 a it's a timely uh, release. But if you have I'll HBO say, Max, you're good to go. Yeah, so I'll say this, right? HBO Max is really up and coming. You know, we talked about the Fresh Prince documentary that's coming out on there, as well as now every all these things. Now, to the, to the average consumer, this may seem like you know just a uh, you know insane move, right? Mm-hmm. But I put my business hat on for a second. I go, well, why the hell would they want to do this, right? Considering they make so much movie off the theaters, right? Uh-huh. So I looked a little deeper into it, and it turns out Warner Brothers, HBO Max, are all owned under the same corporation of AT&T. So it turns out that actually all of those assets combined are actually just benefiting each of the businesses inside AT&T, which makes this a genius move from a corporate strategy perspective. But to the naked consumer, it seems like, oh, wow, they're really betraying the theaters. When in reality, it's just one company scratching where it's just one uh, aspect of a company scratching the back of the other aspect of the company, so it's actually very mm-hmm. interesting that I discovered that the other day. So. But they don't they don't own like the theater chains like AMC and all those. They don't own the theater chains, but the but again the theater chains really just have land and just have the theaters, right? Yep. It's all all the like movies and the actual like things they present come from Warner Media and other and other movie studios, right? So well, like, think about it. It's a, it's it's a it's a very simple question, right? Like, okay, they're all owned by the same people. And either we can go to theaters and have people spend, you know, $10 a ticket to go in and see this and see the show, or we'll just have people subscribe to HBO Max for however many dollars a month. And bam, now we just get that revenue directly and the theaters don't even get a cut. 
Yeah, it's honestly they're cutting the middleman out here, right? So it's it's kind of, you know, it's something people never thought of before that may actually happen. And do I think theaters are gonna go away? Absolutely not, right? Yeah. Because not everyone has like a TV at home that they could do a whole like home theater kind of thing with, right? I mean, everyone has a smartphone, so I guess you could just watch it on your phones. But like, at the same time, the theater experience is something that people are willing to pay for. Do I think it's gonna be at a premium now? Yeah, I definitely think movie ticket prices are gonna hundred percent go up, right? Because mm-hmm. just the limited audience and everything that's going to happen there, but it's an interesting move in a, a unique direction. I don't know really like if you know for movie theaters or stuff like that, will it ever actually go back to normal? I mean, I don't, pandemic? I don't know if it will. I got to tell you, like I know that there's a couple theaters by me that are closed now, like closed, closed for good. They've shut their doors. Closed, closed. Yep. Yeah, yeah, like the the one major theater by me, right? It's still there. It's still open and operating. It's an AMC, but um, it's. I don't know what the future holds for it, right? It actually got renovated a few years ago, so it's all like those nice recliner seats and everything. But um, I don't know. I really don't know what the future holds for that theater. Well, but, we'll, um, we'll see. We'll have to move on, right? Um, it's a really it leaves movie theaters question up in the air, and there's their future is more uncertain than ever. But yep. who knows? I really still I still think that a movie theater experience is still something to be hold of and hopefully be preserved. But we'll see. Next thing on the agenda: PlayStation Five. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Now. This is a really weird story that I when I when I read it. Um, so a lot of people, you know, a lot of uh, in, influencers, uh, reviewers got uh, re- review units, right? This happens all the time. Yeah, happens all the time. Yeah. Well, one particular, uh, I think, a Brazilian YouTuber realized that his review unit uh, and his retail uh, unit was sounding very differently. So it was mm-hmm. the review unit was way quieter than the 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 what's it called retail unit, right? So they were trying to, he was trying to figure it out. He opened it up and he realized the fans were very different. And the actual retail uh, review unit fans actually had more blades. Mm-hmm. So, so what this basically means, because it has, uh, what's it called? Uh, what's it called? More blades, right? Yep. Uh, the, mm-hmm. the, uh, what's it called? It's smoother, right? And then since the other one has less blades, the, the ones you're purchasing in the stores and stuff like that, it needs more power to, get the same cooling effect so it ramps up so the sound goes up so that's what's been going on people have been trying to realize why they're doing this and stuff like that sony hasn't gone back what do you what do you guys think about this cheaper parts honestly it's probably cheaper for the manufacturer it's probably like 30 cents less per unit or whatever and then multiply that across a scale of like tens of millions of ps5s and it's like you know multi-million dollar profit increase and i mean like that's not surprising and at the same time, like at the same time, I see a PS5 Pro coming out within a year or two, and it's gonna emphasize, oh, it's a quieter system, right? Like when reality, they're just using the more expensive fans. Now, now the question is, right? This is a really important question this brings up. Do you think it's misleading that you know because the low region is where they're pretty much the ones, the first in the wave to like tell the you know people who are looking to buy one what to expect and stuff like that. And to be fair, that these reviewers and these influencers weren't were telling what they assumed to be true. Right, and a lot of them, I remember mm-hmm. when they when the new units were coming in, they were like, "Oh, it's so quiet," because that was the big complaint that the PS4 ha- had a big issue. It was like it was so loud, it sounded like a jet. Remember those memes, like it's a jet engine mm-hmm. going off and stuff like that. So a lot of people were really happy to hear these units being very quiet and stuff. But now there's a difference. Do you think that's misleading? What do you, What do you guys think about that? I mean, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, you, you send out these review units to reviewers, and like. At that point, I mean, uh, people, I guess, are expecting you to not downgrade any parts. You know, any future changes yeah. should be making the unit better, not making it worse. So, I mean, 
Do I think it's a little bit misleading? I mean, quite possibly, yeah. Like, you know, everyone's going to be buying consoles based on those reviews, so... Yeah, I mean, you could say that, but at the same time, like, it's like... I'm always one to wait for the actual consumers, uh, you know, piece to get out. And I never try to get a piece of technology day one because of these reasons and stuff like that. So, I don't know. You can say it's misleading for most people. But to be honest with you, does it really affect that many people? No, and that's because of all the scalpers and stuff, right? Which we, is a whole other topic in itself. But, I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, to be fair, you can even get a, your hands on a PS5 right now, so... Yeah, it's a very limited, I think, group of people who actually got a PS5, unless you bought it off a scalper for, like, a grand. So, does it, does it affect the mass majority of Sony consumers? No. No. Right? It's, it's just so, interesting. It's just very interesting to, to see It's just an interesting happen. point to bring up from, you know, that perspective. Now, it could also be, maybe, maybe I'm wrong here, or maybe we're wrong here, that it might not be like a corporate strategy thing, but maybe they just ran out of the nicer fans, right? Maybe he just, maybe that poor Brazilian YouTuber just lucked out and got like the shitty PS5 version. Yeah. Whereas so the other one was a better version. I'd like to see more on that. It could be. Right? We'll, so, we'll see. We'll see. You know, they said they're ramping up production. They're going to try to bring out more PS5s in the next coming years and months. So we'll see. That'll be actually really good intel to see what's coming in. But anyway, let's yeah. move on to our next thing. This is a big one. Uh, Facebook acquired Consumer with a K for $1 billion. Wait, so, that's a big that's a big deal. And what the hell is this company? So, I for the average consumer, this doesn't mean much, right? But this is a, a forward trend that's going on with a lot of tech companies. They're buying up these uh, customer service kind of startups and companies, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so basically, what this is is that it brings it allows customer service teams better data and more uh, unified ver- version of people they're interacting with. So it allow allows more easy use or interaction for the customer service section. Of Facebook, right? Okay. Uh, so now Facebook can improve their offerings for businesses that have a presence in their, you know, ecosystem. Um, and it's confirmed that the price is $1 billion. So the reason this is kind of big is because earlier this month, Snapchat bought a company called Versa.ai, which is another mm-hmm. startup that creates AI-based voice agents for call centers. Mm-hmm. So there's oh. a trend that's going on. They're trying to really improve the customer service aspect of their tech companies. And for businesses and, and clients alike. So, what do you guys think about this? Yeah, it's interesting. Very interesting. Um, I guess from a customer service perspective, like I just hate talking to bots. Like as long, yeah. I hope they bring people. Yeah, in. same. But but like, I just the bots I feel like are just useless. Well, this this company is in a the Snapchat one was a bot. This one is not. This is more about like uh, organizing data for customer service and having a more unified dashboard to interact with people. So this is still the human touch for something. Is this a data mining company also? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. This is still relatively new. Um, this came out of really nowhere. This wasn't anything for them to purchase. Um, and, you know, like I said, the company is in a big, uh, like, a you know, up-and-coming company. It's just a startup that was focusing on c- customer service uh, yeah. and improving it. So I'm, I'm, I kind of agree with two on this one, right? Like, I would say any improvement to those customer service bots is always going to be a good thing, but... Like, I just don't want to talk to bots. Like, I want to talk to people yeah. and, you know, I don't even tr- I don't even interact with the bots most of the time. I just immediately say, speak to an operator, speak to an operator, speak to an operator. Just because well, the bots are crowded, this, so. This is why this is interesting. Again, this is the least the customer one. This is, uh, this is not bots. This is uh, just having, letting these customer service agents, you know, the representatives that you're talking to have, you know, a more clear uh, version of the data they're working with, get to know you uh, more quickly. I see, okay. You know, 
So, okay. which, which is, yeah. a, which is, I think, a big improvement because a lot of the issues I ever have when I talk to customer service reps, like, oh, the serv- the system is down, or I can't see this, or it's taking a while. So, having a better system overall, especially in that aspect, I think will be a big improvement. Yeah, I'll have to do a little more research to comment further, but yeah. it's interesting. We'll see what happens. It's a trend I think going on with a lot of tech companies, and I think you'll see more tech companies buying these like customer service focused startups. But we'll see. Next thing mm-hmm. on the agenda, this is a big one. So now we're getting into the Apple type of news, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's mm-hmm. a lot. There's a lot. A lot of things that have happened in Apple. Some very small, some very big, some in the middle. Uh, but let's start off with something that's really interesting, uh, and it's Amazon, actually. So Amazon okay. Web Service is bringing the Mac Mini to their Amazon Elect Computer Cloud. So this, so this means for the first time ever, Amazon is bringing Mac OS to its AOS Cloud service. So this means Ooh. that there will be new Mac mini instances available for in their EC, uh, EC2 instances, which allows developers to create apps for iPhones, iPads, Macs, all within their uh, cloud services, right? Now, important thing to mention, these new uh, uh, EC, EC, uh, EC2 instances for Macs are all powered by Intel-based Macs. So the uh, old Macs. okay. So it's 3.25 gigahertz uh, processor with 32 gigs of RAM, um, and you're allowed to upgrade it to 10 gigabytes uh, VPC network bandwidth and 8 gigabyte storage bandwidth, right? So pretty good. Mm-hmm. However, they did comment and they said they will be working to add in M1 Max to this service. Mm-hmm. So give it a little bit of time, maybe by next month or two months from now, you will see the new Max minis coming into effect. I uh, think this is, from a business perspective, a win, win, win all around, right? Yeah. For three, for three reasons. One, it's a huge win for Apple because you just onboarded a huge, you know, commercial consumer of these products, right? Yep. So now that Amazon's doing this, you bet your ass Google and Microsoft are going to be right behind Apple trying to get a Mac OS system onto their servers, right? So that's the first thing. Second thing, it's nice that Amazon is the pioneer for this because if the other if the other two huge cloud people, uh, cloud providers, Google and Am- uh, and Microsoft, see that this is going to take off, right? It's, they're going to be like, hey, we're going to get behind that too, which means A, more money for Apple, but B, more consumer choice going all around, right? Yeah. And three, the biggest one out of all this, I think it's a huge win for the consumer, right? Why? Because now for the first time, you actually have remote access to a Mac machine that is not yours, right? You have access to build iOS or Android apps or do anything Mac-specific related by just getting an Amazon EC2 instance and building on the Mac OS right there. So you're going to see a lot more development happen for Apple, a lot more Mac, iOS, and, um, you know, tvOS and watchOS development happen, all because this onboarding to EC2, because now now there's a cheaper alternative to developing apps and programs for Mac because of this. Mm-hmm. But for what are your thoughts here? You know, I'm actually fully on board with this. I think this is going to be dope. Like, like you said, I just see it as a win-win-win all the way around for everybody. Um, I mean, for just just as a quick example, right? Like, you guys know that I went out and I bought a Mac specifically for a, a, a web app, or not for web app, for a mobile app development mobile. class we took. I was just thinking that, yeah. And, you know, had this been an option, and I could have just went and for maybe 200 bucks, been able to rent out some compute instances for a couple of months to do my work. I wouldn't have had to spend the $1,500 on a MacBook. So, I mean, at least for me, this would have been a win. You know, for Amazon, they, that would have been a win. Um, 
for for Mac, for Apple, maybe it would have been a slight loss, but long term, I mean, if it was a good service, I might have used it long term for something else as well. So, who knows? I think I think uh, I think another thing you should remember is that a lot of these people are who are going to be using these services are people who either um, are kind of iffy about the Mac ecosystem, yeah. right? Yes. Exactly, and, and this is another long-term win for Apple because they're gonna get uh, developers who, you know, similar to who was like doesn't really own a Mac hardware but needs it for class or something or needs it for some sort of project. Or is you know what I like? I like building mobile apps. For yeah, Apple, but exactly. You don't want to spend the money. So, yeah, exactly. You might you might work on it a couple of times, spend the money hourly to you know use this, and you're like, you know what? I really like this kind of type of work. I really like this kind of field. I gotta you know invest in a Mac machine, and there you go. Apple just got another customer into the bag. So. I think it's a win, like Ford said. I think it's uh, two said. It's a win, win, win all around. Anyway, let's move on to the next one, yep. right? Uh, and this is relating the iPhone. So there's a huge warning issued for a lot of iPhone 12 users. So if you bought an iPhone, if, yeah, if you bought an iPhone 12, you're one of the first ones. Sad to say, there's already big problems on the horizon for you. Called so, it. Big one is uh, the the range. Simply. Simply to say, the range of the iPhone 12. So, uh, picked up by Apple Insider, a thousands of thousands of users are speaking out about the dynamic uh, power drain that these the new iPhones are having in standby. So, literally, they're not doing anything. They're putting the new iPhones down. They just got a new iPhone. You're you're happy. Yes, I got the new iPhone. You put it down. Go do your stuff. Right. Come, Come back. Phone's dead. Phone's <laughs> pretty much dead. Uh, r- rates are saying the actual discharge rate is varied from between four to fifteen percent per hour. On standby. Wow. wow. So that's that's uh, that's based on uh, comments based across uh, support. Again, how, how, what, what is it? Between four to fifteen percent discharge on standby per hour. Oh man. So that's that's like nothing. That's usually you turn on sleep mode, put it in a down, not touch. So did four call this back in our five G tech uh, episode? Uh, I think so Pretty sure it I could did. be. Uh, they're they're still speculating what this. The, the source of this huge discharge can be uh it could potentially be what we talked about uh, uh the you know the 5g network you know draining it uh but it no, nothing nothing has come out of it yet this is like, okay. I'm I, saying, tell you, I think um, that's likely true it's the only difference like, all i'm saying if it is the right. 5g all i'm saying if it is the 5g network you heard it here first on the 429 podcast and four would gladly take a job at apple as a network engineer <laughs> i'm just saying like it is definitely a possibility. It's 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 sad to say, but you know, if you're a new user of the iPhone 12, you're, you're already facing issues. And supposedly, uh, there's just no real fix for it. Um, this is I think like we kind of speculate. This is probably a hardware issue, so you're kind of stuck with it. I'll tell you what they're low, gonna low have to do. Apple's gonna have to go ahead and form a partnership with Tesla and get Tesla's new battery technology to put in their phones. Bam. Ooh, so win, win, yeah, imagine carrying imagine carrying the next iPhone. You know, it comes with a Tesla battery. Just you can power your car and your phone at the same time. Comes with a free car. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Okay, though, I'm just saying, if we were right about this, you guys all heard it here first, <laughs> first, and make for make the four two nine podcast go viral. Like I would, I would love to see it. And four is gladly willing to take a job at Apple for right. a couple thousand yeah, dollars sure. an hour. You know, <laughs> <right>. like <laughs> let's let's move on. Uh, another big hurt for Apple. More lawsuits are coming its way, uh, specifically in Europe. So if you guys remember the whole slowdown gate that happened uh, here in the United, in the United States. The uh, slowdown gate? Oh, the, know, up, the updates, right? Yeah, the updates that made your old mm-hmm. iPhone slower. You know, we reached a settlement. People got 20 30 bucks, right? Well, now yeah. the European side wants their slice of the pie, and they're fighting for <laughs> um, the same action. So your consumer and advocated group is bringing the action 
said in a settlement Wednesday that they want this class option op- lawsuit to cover up to 2 million iPhone 6, 6 Plus, 6S, 6S Plus devices in Spain, Italy, Portugal, and Belgium. Uh, wow. So they're, they, they're, they're kind of marrying the same class action lawsuit that a- Apple had in the United States uh, that led to the proposed settlement of $500 million in March. Uh, this, this time, though, they want a difference. They want... Uh, they wanna. They've been trying. They have been having attempts to resolve this with Apple, and it's been unsuccessful. Right now, they said they're speaking. They're seeking a comp, a basically a rate of sixty euros for an average for each consumer. So we I think we got about twenty dollars, right? I think that was our. They want six. Yeah, roughly. They, they want sixty. So sixty euros, which is about seventy-two dollars. Is that before or after the lawyer cut? I think that's after the lawyer cut. That's literally what. So that's what exactly what they want. They 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 they're stating their their law on the on the fact that you know happened on the American side and this whole you know slowdown gate affected up too so they want the same conversation to happen. So what do you guys think? Well, why is it just those four European countries? Out of curiosity, do you have any information? Uh, on that? This is just what the, the advocate group we're targeting as like main headers. Um, no particular reason. I these groups are just you know I guess the the what they represent who they're representing consumer bases. Um, okay. So that's just that, that which is a primary thing that they laid down in their in their statement. Those cool. are the main ones. That's pretty just cool. Four, what are your thoughts here? Dude, I'm always for seeing them get hit <laughs> with more fines for doing unethical stuff like that. Like purposefully slowing down phones. Like that was by far one of the craziest things that has ever been done. And like I feel like it just got brushed under the rug and like everywhere. So I mean I'm pretty happy to start seeing them get some more fines on that because I mean, I bought the hardware, I purchased it, like, it was already mine, and, like, they have no right to purposefully slow down stuff I own, so. So you're happy about it. I mean, like, like I said, I mean, it happens, I, I expect some sort of, um, uh, you know, negotiation from Apple. It, it yeah, most likely I think they'll probably end up settling back down yeah. to the $20, yep. $30 number that the U.S. accepted, probably. right? They, they said they're, they're, start, they're strong on that, though, that they want a, a more than just 20% that they gave to us. They're really strong about that. Uh, for their consumers, so we'll see. Maybe, maybe, maybe they live their their honor to their word, but we'll see. I think this is gonna be we're gonna be seeing this uh this this type of lawsuit happening more and more across the world as time goes on. Anyway, let's move on. This one I think is gonna be really interesting to you guys, uh, knowing you guys, and that is the fact that one man is trying to bring Linux to to the M1 Max, and he oh, wants okay. your help. He wants your help. Wow. So your help. <laughs> So, this man, Hector Martin, okay. uh, he wants to support a full usable version of the Linux operating system to the new Macs running the Apple Silicon chips, and he needs your help. So, this man, he's uh, he's known across the Linux community for porting Linux to pretty much everything. You, you, you know, the PS4, he ported it to that. The PS3, he did it as well. The Wii, he has done it. This man has made it his mission for some reason to port Linux on every single... Uh, device uh, you can think of, and he wants to do. Linus that. must love this man. He must. He must. He must. Uh, he says he wants assistance. Now, the type of assistance is not what you think. He's not asking for tech assistance. Actually, he's asking for financial for the assistance. Ah. So the man wants assistance from the public, bringing his operations to the max. Uh, he he's adamant about the project. He says his goal is to bring uh, his quote. The like the goal is to bring Linux support on Mac Silicon. Max to the point where it's really not a tech demo, but it's an actual OS that you would want to use on a daily driver device. 
Uh, he said, since these devices are brand new and bespoke silicon, porting Linux to them is a huge undertaking, well beyond a hobby project. It is a full-time job. So uh, because of that, he's looking for a, enough uh, donors to have at least $4,000 a month. And uh, he's asking for you to donate to his Patreon and subscribe to it to at least get that minimum number to pursue this goal. My dude's asking for $4,000 a month. You could get four freaking Mac minis with that. Like, mm-hmm. Well, like he said, he's saying he's saying that this type of project is a huge undertaking. It's going to require a lot of his time. It's pretty much going to be a full-time job for him, right? Uh, so that's, that's what he's basically saying, the amount of hours he needs to put into it. Uh, that's, gr- that's great, but like, four thousand is a lot of money, man. Like, we broke over here. Like, I mean, that's what he's saying. He said he'll be reverse engineering. He'll be reverse. You know, he, like, he he said he'll be reverse engineering the Apple code. So this this project won't break any laws. Uh, and he says Kubernetes does not block unsigned custom kernels from booting on Mac Silicon Mac. So it's po- it's a, a huge possibility. He just needs to. Well, he just needs to get some corporate corporate sponsor like. They feel like they'd be so Let's hit him up. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't... who 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 handles all of the all of your Linux stuff right now? Who who builds Ubuntu? Right, I know these are all open source things, but you know, all of this stuff isn't free. Someone's got to be having some money get get funded somewhere. I think I think a lot of it is actually fan community supported, so people actually donate to these things. I don't think there is actually a, a corporate fan into Ubuntu and all those. I think there actually are, and and it makes sense because. Uh, Martin launched his Patreon project back in March, and he already reached ninety uh, percent of it on the first day. So, All right, so he's good. Yeah, he's pretty much good. Uh, but just it's, it's just interesting to see uh, the you know the, already people want to bring Linux to this new uh, silicon chips. What do you guys think about it? If this is a success? Oh, I think it would be a, a good thing overall. You know, having more options, being able to load up in your own custom Ubuntu image on your Apple silicon chips, like always a plus you know i don't being being stuck on only apple software is not a good thing at all you know what what happens if you want to do something apple doesn't support or can't support you know what are you just stuck now pretty much so. i mean I, I i i personally want to see this come to fruition i think it'll be really interesting to see um where this goes i mean linux i mean i always think that linux is the one os that should be run on everything just because it's such a great os to run uh from and so it's so dynamic. It can be used for small scale things, large scale things, and stuff like that. So it'll be interesting. I would love to see it. Plus, with the power that uh, the silicon chips have already proven that they can do, it'll be really fascinating to see how fast and how uh, improved yeah. Linux can be. Absolutely. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, we're running out of time, so let's hit my, our major stories. And four, you're gonna love these last couple oh, of stories because these are these are all security focus story oh, so yeah. there was a lot of security focused stuff specifically vulnerabilities that really hit and there was one last surprise story that i think is more of a good send-off uh for the day uh first one first of the group there is this huge iphone vulnerability that was discovered uh i don't know if you guys heard of project zero uh that's google's yeah. security team yep so uh google researcher has discovered a huge iphone vulnerability uh, that allowed yeah. hackers complete control. This. You read on I this. I, I knew you read this. on this. So this man, uh, uh, Ivan, is a security researcher for Google vulnerability detecting initiative called Project Zero. He said on Monday in a blog post that he spent six months of 2020 trying to uncover an exploit, which he was able to gain complete control over any iPhone in his vicinity. Um, in in layman's terms, for anyone who out there who doesn't type of technology, um, essentially he's been 
uh, he in layman's terms, he basically had a buffer overflow in the packets that he sent over with Wi-Fi. That's layman's terms. That's layman's terms. Um, I can't get any more simple. It, it it gets really in depth. I highly recommend anyone who wants to see this. He has a blog post on Google's Project Zero uh, website. Very in depth stuff. He goes extremely in depth with everything. Uh, he has a demo of the of the exploit being worked. It's really fantastic. He literally has a teddy bear pretending to be the attacker and another teddy bear being the victim. And he has uh, the victim take a picture and then delete it. And using this exploit, he can essentially grab a copy of that deleted phone in the attacker's laptop thoroughly through a Wi-Fi. That's nuts. Oh, man. Now, for anyone who's out there, you know, panicking, throwing their iPhones away and yelling at Apple, what's, what's going on? It's all fixed, um, you know, because you know Google worked closely with the com- corporations that are vulnerable to this. They were echoed this long time ago. It was actually fixed back in iOS, I think, 13, 13.5 in May, uh, which was at the time where they included that uh, that contact tracking feature for COVID. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, that's when actually they released the patch for this. So this was way under. He was researching this way underground, and he didn't reveal any of his funding until recently. Uh, but this has already been patched. Apple already notified it. Your iPhones are safe. Nothing to worry about. You know what's now, uh, you know what's pretty funny, or not funny, but just like a little. Uh, let me just say it, then we can decide what it, what it is exactly. I can't think of the word, but um, since he was working for Google's security research team, he's not going to mm-hmm. get any of the bug bounty payout, and that would have yeah. been probably a million dollar payout for bug bounty. Yeah. So yeah, I read about this. I read about this. It's about like I think it was like at least five hundred thousand, or up to a million, or yep. maybe even more. Um, he said. In a state, in a statement that if if Apple could, you know, um, you know what's it called, do him a solid, he wouldn't even want the money. He would want Apple to donate that amount of the, what the bounty was worth to charity. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, Apple hasn't responded to this yet, um, because this is all very recent. It's only been made publicly recently. Oh, I think that they will. Uh, if they, if if I think, if, if, I think if, that if his statement gets mainstream and he just wants it donated, I'm positive that it will get donated. I think. I I, I really hope it does. A million dollars to big companies like that is nothing, and the amount of good publicity they'd get is well worth it. I think Apple should do it. Apple, if you're somehow listening for some reason, uh, hi, I love you. Um, <laughs> please do it. I think it would be great. I think it's a win-win-win. Uh, we don't really see a lot of win-win-wins in, in the industry, so. I think it's really worth it. Everyone got saved, all the iPhones. Now, he did say that this was in the open a while for a couple of months, right? So it is possible, uh, you know, these big security hacker groups, you know, with the resources they have and the, the people they, the people they have, they could have found out about this, kept it hidden, and had been attacking. Of course, you also have iPhones out there in the wild that are not updated to the latest version. So that could be also an issue. So he doesn't, he's not unsure that um, that what's the, the scale of the, the vulnerabilities out there in the in the wild, but he's saying if he can find it, that that means he he believes someone else could, right? So take that as you want. That's humble. But that's humble. Yeah. Let's move on to uh, the last security thing, and then one last final send off. Uh, Brazil got really hit hard. Oh um, gosh. Uh, so Brazil had a huge exploit. Uh, where the date the data of 243 million Brazilians were exposed online via a simple website source code. So essentially the personal information including live or deceased uh, citizens were exposed online after website developers left the password for a crucial government database inside the source code of an official Brazilian website. 
Someone's oh. modifying production code and just not cleaning up after themselves, man. Let me tell you. So this was on for at least six months, according. Oh my to, god. Uh, the snap, the security snafu was discovered by reporters actually from the Brazilian newspaper. Uh, the the newspaper, the same newspaper, also discovered last week that uh, São Paulo Hospital leaked personal and health information for more than 16 million Brazilians COVID patients after an employee uploaded a spreadsheet with their usernames, password, and access keys to sensitive government systems on GitHub. Someone needs to use a git ignore. Come on, man. What's going on here? So Brazilians are hitting really hard the last couple and a lot of people, uh, chances are if you live in Brazil right now, you're Sadly, your personal information is probably out in the wild right now. You see, this um, is why I've I've transitioned away from like git add dot, and I've been at manually adding files to be committed myself now, one by one as needed. It's which is way safer, and I make sure I don't accidentally push stuff I don't want to push. Yeah, it, it, it's 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 huge. This uh, so the to be more specific, the the log information that was leaked allowed them to access to the SUS, which is this uh. Essentially, this official database that the government uses in Brazil, right? It has a huge. It stores all information all Brazilians who sign up for the country's public found public funded healthcare system, right? And if you have access to this, um, you pretty much have access to everyone's information. Is it, is it just me? Is the SUS kind of sus? I mean, it's seeming. seems I mean, it's, it's, it's very, it's very sus. It's very sus. To give you an idea how vulnerable like, these guys are, uh, since the website source code was accessible. Uh, it was accessible and reviewed by anyone that could just press F12 inside their website. No! Oh, that's, no. That's, that's it. That's all it took. Uh, it was right there. Um, and that was it. Uh, a similar leak was also found in the source code of their uh, SUS notification, you know, which is a web portal where Brazilian citizens can sign up and receive government official notifications of COVID. And they found out that uh, the source code of that website contained a URL and password stored in Base64. An encoding format that can be easily decrypted. Well, I will say this to the Brazilian people: Welcome to the club. We got stolen by Equifax the other day. We uh, we gladly see you here now. Um, you may get some strange emails from you know Japanese, Chinese, or North Korean governments. Just please delete them, and you should be good to go. Yeah. So it's going to be a tough fight. Uh, if this if this is a if any unauthorized right now the the good thing is that there hasn't been any unauthorized access from anyone. Uh, any malicious party discovered yet? Somehow, as far as they know, far they know in the six months, <laughs> no one walked in to that open door. Uh, if do, if it is discovered, if, if it is discovered, this will be the largest security breach in the country's history. Look for a group of for a group of people who just never realized that they put a production password inside the inside the system. I, you know, I don't have that much faith that they don't know if they actually got hacked or not. Just, yeah, so mm-hmm. I would say. That's the luck. That's the uphill battle for you guys. I don't know. <laughs> I don't like, know really how. Screwed here. Like, I mean, I mean, we we face this like two said. We face this situation on more. Once that thing's out there, it's out there. It's it's almost impossible to lock those doors again. But you know, hopefully we'll get more information. Hopefully nothing did malicious come out of this, and hopefully this was just one big snafu that somehow didn't break through. Anyway, I know we're all pretty much ahead of time, but I do want to hit you guys with this one last story. I think this is a really nice send off with, you know, how the year has been. Bonus I think story. It's- Bonus story. I Bonus think story. With the year, with the with the way the year has been, it's important to remember the success the humanity has, right? And humanity had a, one big success that I think a lot of people are not known didn't hear about, and that's pretty much how 
AI has cracked a big problem that stumped biologists for 50 years. Interesting. Okay. Go this on. is a huge deal. So DeepMind, I'm sure you guys heard of DeepMind, right? Yep. yep. Google's AI research lab. And now independent part of Google's parent company, Alphabet, announced a major breakthrough this week where the where one biological uh, uh, evolutionary biologist said it's a game changer. So they said that Deep uh, DeepMind has using their AI system, AlphaFold, has solved the pro, uh, protein folding problem, right? Okay. It's a, a challenge of biology that's uh, pretty much confused and befuddled scientists for 50 years. So we, we, we all know what you know proteins are. They're the basic machines that get work done in our cells. Mm -hmm. They start out with strings of amino acids, you know, that type of thing. Um, they're, think of amino acids as beads in a necklace. But soon they have to fold up into a unique three-dimensional shape, right? That's your protein, right? Now, this 3D shape is crucial because it determines how the protein works, right? If you know how it, the shape is formed, if you're a scientist, you can come up. If you're developing a new drug, you want to know how this protein shape is because it will help you come up uh, with a molecular that combines to this new protein. And thus, you're allowed to alter its behavior, right? The problem is that predicting what a shape a protein can take is extremely difficult. Right, mm -hmm. and this is the issue that uh, that befuddled biologists for so many long. So, every two years, researchers who worked on this problem had tried to prove how good their predicted uh, powers are by doing a conference uh, called the uh, CASP. Essentially, it's a two-year conference. They all these biologists come in. They they say, "I I think I figure out how I think I can pr predict how well the protein will fold," and they they do this huge competition against each other. Right. In 2018, uh, Google's, uh, what's it called, DeepMind worked and basically reigned supreme, right? They beat a lot of people's, uh, a lot, they beat the competition there. They pretty much uh, outfolded the competition and proved that they were able to uh, have the best prediction. But did it be folding at home is the question, hmm? Mm, I mean, <laughs> but the thing is that back then, it didn't really solve the issue. It was just, it had a better success rate with its predictions than most other competitors. But this year, and just recently, um, they completely have, you know, was able to predict with impressive speed and accuracy what shapes uh, strings of amino acids can fall into. So this is just a huge win for all around for AIs, biologists for in general. Humanity. Right? For humanity. Thank you. Thank you. For humanity. This is, this is uh, as one person said, uh, this will change medicine. It will literally change research. It will change bioengineering. It will change everything. So this, well, is huge... that, right? this is this is this is going to be probably huge, okay? Because you have these relatively new vaccines coming out now, right? These mRNA type of vaccines that rely essentially all on protein-based RNA data, and uh, I mean, if you can completely understand how the proteins in a virus works, and then they have a vaccine that can kind of use the genetic makeup of those proteins in order to defeat viruses, you might be able to quickly map a virus out and then quickly build an mRNA vaccine for it. I mean, you could probably have a functioning vaccine within like 30 days if you could do all of this all at the same time. Exactly. So it's really it's really huge. This is a huge undertaking. Um, you're talking about a huge breakthrough, right? And I, I think it's important, like I said earlier, to recognize the success uh, when, when, we, when it really comes and reflect how far we have come. This is also a huge win for AI, who in the past has been, you know, has been a huge success in like chess and game and stuff like that. But now they really take on a field that's 
sadly needed some sort of AI improvement and AI performance and yep. and medicine was one of them and they were able to attack it. Now this this shows how powerful the DeepMind is. And uh, one thing to remember also is that their their this their system is all about having different AI systems. So the system actually uses different AIs for mm. different problems. And yeah. that's why it, it has such impressive speed and performance. I mean, um, that's that's pretty much it. I just wanted to end the, this tech cast with a really nice send off about humanity and how far we've come. This is really going to change a lot of things. with AI. I am never opposed to ending tech cast <laughs> with anything machine learning or AI related. I will tell you that firstly. I'm just saying, I mean, maybe if AI gets so good, maybe maybe the AIs in the future create tech cast itself. <laughs> Oh shit, we got, oh shit, we just got replaced. Alright guys, anyway, this is the end of TechCast, uh, what is this, TechCast 19? I can't quite remember. 18, I think. I think it's 18. 18 It's someday. It's a number. Five of the five, but less than Um, five. Remember, you can always (laughs) check us out in our social medias at the 429 Podcast on all major platforms, uh, as well as on our website, the429podcast.com. Other than that, we will see y'all next week in the next episode of TechCast. So, thank you. Bye, take care.